Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. He's Patrick, I'm Rajan, and we figured that with the Redskins coming off a win last weekend, and especially the recent pop-ups in the news cycle of a couple of topics that we're going to get into, we should reconvene and talk a little more football. So after all, two of the biggest lightning rod topics of the offseason made their name in the aforementioned news cycle this week, specifically Trent Williams and Bruce Allen. So Patrick, let's start off with the former and break things down a bit. Uh, beginning with your reaction to the Les Carpenter story that came out in the post today on Trent Williams. I thought it was awesome. (laughs) I am convinced Trent is going to single-handedly bring Bruce down at this point. Um, I think he is digging his trench and is just like, you know what, screw this guy. Uh, You know, he's had some nice things to say about Snyder, but he's – since the helmet situation kind of, or when he got put on the non-exempt list or whatever it's called, he's kind of distanced. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's distanced himself a little bit from Snyder, but he's been going at Bruce for a couple and a couple of different uh, articles and and interviews now, but today's I thought was just like fire. I have no other way to describe it. I mean, listen to these quotes and I got, I pulled them up before because they just, they, I'm like legitimately excited about He's talking about Allen's 10-year span in his record. He says, I just don't understand in any business in the world where the employer is someone who is underperforming, he finds another. Such a good I don't know in the last 10 years if there's a worse record or someone who has held their job for 10 years and performed this way, yada, yada, yada. If you can find it, I would love to look it up. I'd be thrilled to find out. And, like, as a guy that works in sales, obviously we have quotas. And, like, you don't hit your quota every quarter. That's like there's Very few sales reps ever do that. But you are held to a standard. And if you consistently lose, you're gone. That's the reality of it. It's like that in marketing. It's like that in any freaking job in the world. And, you know, I was really pumped to hear Trent come out and be like, look, this dude sucks at his job. And he didn't attack him. Yeah, he didn't attack him for anything cancer related in the whole article. He just said, this guy's terrible. And every time we thought we were going to be good, we were rebuilding the next year. And I was like, dude, preach. Let's just use that that marketing and sales example, right? It's like we all have, if we're going to nerd out on the topic, being a marketing guy as well, we all have KPIs, right? Like you all have KPIs that you're that you're aligned to at the end of the year in terms of what how you did, right? What the fuck are Bruce Allen's KPIs? Obviously, besides you know, course light and, and cheap wings with with Snyder, right? Like is that that that's what your key, your key performance indicator is? What is he judged against? I mean, I think this is at that point a rhetorical question because it's certainly not your win-loss record. I mean, shit. David Tepper just pushed a Super Bowl coach out the door because he wanted to move to a more modern approach. And here we've got this Nimrod still here. Although in fairness, Marty Harney is still the GM in Carolina and he's pretty terrible, but it's another topic for another day. Um, the whole and then so we we'll we'll talk a little bit about the the what happened when Trent came back because that's a really juicy story about the whole NFI list. Um, but to your point, in the previous articles where Williams has alluded to a lot of this stuff, he's never come out right and just thrown not to use a boxing metaphor for the you know given what haymakers the story right he's just throwing straight haymakers at, at Allen right he didn't pull any punches again no, not using the same. Uh, sports cliches um 
he came right at Bruce Allen. He said, like, here, I'm pointing the finger. If you want to know what the problem is, this is the problem. I think there was a 20% uh, 20% subtext to Snyder, to your point, maybe 10%, but this is all, This he went right at BA. And I think he he just cemented the belief that everyone else has, that he is just a vile, worthless, contemptible, worthless human being. And especially a football yeah. executive, but human being in general. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting that I think the timing of all this is also pretty interesting. Um, I'm actually like thinking this as I talk, so if this doesn't make any sense, you'll you'll know why. But the, the, obviously, the the article was dropped today. But it, it's whether it's convenient or not, it is timed pretty well with uh, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, Mike Garofalo, Garofalo, however you pronounce his name. You know, coming out last week, and it's the first time a national media, not you know, fucking Chris Russell has come out and said, <laughs> I have to get third jab. You got to get him one shot at the booster, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, has come out and said, hey, this is a problem, and Dan is looking at it. You know, and it's, it's starting to build, and now not only has that come out, and others have doubled down. Like, Kime has doubled down and said, yes, this is happening. Um, and now we have the Washington Post, who Snyder hates already, coming out and saying multiple times, but, like, only now just directing everything at Bruce Allen. I mean, it, things are so bad at, at Nats Park, or excuse me, uh, Nats Park. Uh, in Ashburn, uh, that, well, my point's about the Nats. Things are so bad that it, the Nats, like, watch party DVD thing at the Anthem, they asked um, Mark Lerner if he would buy the Redskins. And, like, you have fan bases clamoring for anyone to buy this team. People say the same for Leonzis. Yeah, and you know what? It's never going to happen, so we have to turn our attention to Bruce and the fact that, he still has a job is ridiculous, but I, I do think that like this article conveniently timed with the report coming out from uh, Garofalo. Did I say that right? Yep. Um, is, is great because like we need this thing to burn down and the more gasoline, I don't care where it comes from, as long as it's national media and not JP Finley, the better. Yeah. And I mean, so to your point about the national, the local media versus the national media, the local media people have did say that, so I think there's a fine line between the local media and the, and the national media. I think in many cases, if you're someone like John Kime, you're more plugged into the team. Like there are countless times where I remember with a lot of the Kirk Cousins speculation prior to him leaving, you know, Albert, uh, Albert Breer, um, Ian Rappaport was way off. He had a couple of reports. I specifically remember draft night of 2000. Did we say we trade him one night or something? There was a couple of times where like, yeah, he was traded. And, you know, the national media, Lachin Fora in particular, but a bunch of guys were like, no, no, Josh Rosen to the Redskins is a thing. It's definitely going to happen. Like, I don't even think. And then you, in the, the more you realize that that was never even close because Dan Snyder had his sights set on Dwayne Haskins the whole time. So I, I tend to think that the national media talks to league-wide sources as opposed to sources in the team versus the local media has more connections in the team but then again on the flip side you could also say that the national media knows more because they have a bigger picture set uh, view regardless of whatever the case is whether you want to look at it locally or nationally nationally Mike Garofalo has said it but to your point locally John Kime has said it Kevin Sheehan came out uh, I was on I think it was Wednesday or Thursday he had mentioned something on his podcast or radio show or whatever he does about that and then our buddy friend of the hell to the district Brent from Burgundy blog has been all over this first of all I love him to death because he's been the one saying if you're the one supporting if you're a HTTR yeah, till I, I die he, guy 
Fuck you. you every time I read these tweets. You know, <laughs> he's and, and he and I could not be more aligned in that mindset. But more importantly, he was dropping some fire, ironically, right before the Carolina game, which we won, saying, you know, alluding to the fact that things are tenuous. And that kind of just helped the crescendo of the Garofalo report, which again also came out right before the Carolina game. Um, he also I, had that before the report dropped. He said, be prepared for a juicy nugget the next day. He has so whoever, he's pl- well, whoever he's plugged into is, is giving him good info. He's had the ability, I've, I've jokingly called him from a marketing perspective, uh, a thought leader on the Redskins. And I, I, I think he does a great job of combining analysis, voice, and knowing some inside stuff. And I think he's gotten that latter point from just people following him and saying, hey, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Um, sure. And well, good uh, and it's just, yeah, exactly. Uh, amen. He's a fucking doctor at the end of the day, which I find even more amazing, right? Like he's, he's a medical doctor at, and then he's doing this as like a side thing. And I'm like, you're, you're excellent at what you're doing. That notwithstanding. Um, My point about uh, the national media though, is more so like, like, look, like obviously JP is in there every single day. Kime's in there every single day. These guys live and breathe Redskins. And their reports are almost always accurate. Like they are really good at their jobs. There are people I don't like, but, people I've named uh, I feel like do a good job and they probably are like really plugged into that team the difference to me though is with the national media whether whether they're right or wrong it doesn't matter it shapes perception and that's more important to me because when someone like Rappaport or Chef Chef, he hasn't said anything but like Garofalo and all these other big name NFL reporters are saying this it's getting on ESPN.com it's getting out you know it's not just the post who Snyder already hates and doesn't really care about it's outlets where everyone is looking and being like, oh, the Redskins are a joke. And mm-hmm. the number one thing we all know Snyder cares about is money. So if everyone knows we're a joke, and, and he, not only money, but he also he, he wants – I don't think he really cares what people think about him necessarily, no. but I do care. I think he's oblivious. I think he yeah. genuinely believes he, – he's the emperor with no clothes. He walks around and yeah. believes he could walk out with his dong hanging out and everyone's going to say, like, oh, he has such a lovely robe. Like, I do think he's that oblivious. Like, yeah, he could, but which is why I want people out loud saying, you suck. But to your, gotta go. to your point, the fact that Redskins tickets are worth literally nothing, they're worth less than toilet worth paper, has become a national joke. So I, was, I, I ran out of podcasts for my – recent rotation this morning and I've, the commute to work has been absolutely hellish this last few days so i jumped on to the stick to football podcast that matt, Mil- that, matt, that. that matt miller did um does for bleacher report and they had a the only reason i jumped on is because he had a fix the redskins episode right and they were ripping on how bad the team is how cheap the tickets are and then i listened to mike lombardi's podcast which is okay but um i, I find lombardi entertaining um and he and he today, he was joking. He was like, he was saying something. He's like, it's worth less than even a Redskins ticket, right? Like the idea that our four that that our four dollar tickets are now a nationally discussed item that has to chap his ass at so many different levels. Yeah, I, I think it does. Um, you know, you have just everyone. Everyone's talking about this. We're not even a relevant team, and everyone's just talking about. But it's like we're relevant as a punchline. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, so I was. That's where I was going with this. Is like yeah. the only way we're relevant is people is being like, "Holy shit, you're awful. Right. You're that bad. We're gonna talk about it." Like and we're it at, we're taking away a little bit of the shade of Dave Gettleman and the Giants, Adam Gase and the Jets, fucking Zach Taylor and the Bengals, because everyone's like, "Yeah, but look at the Redskins over there. Look how bad things are over there." You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's so like, bad, so bad. you know, like, I mean, freaking Haskins can't even tweet something without someone in national media, some Redskins is blowing it up because 
why not? We're just going to run a punchline. We have a, we have a quarterback who's missing the, the final knee down. Like we can't even get, we're not winning on the field. We're not winning off the field. No harvest fest. Yeah. It, like we are winning nowhere. The only way we're winning is, is we're a joke, which but at least you know, the culture is dangerous. We're winning somewhere. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking culture. I think culture. that quote is going to come back. I mean, not that, not that he knows anything, but like, I think that quote is going to come back to haunt him a lot because he's just going to be like, he's, it's going to continue to be one of those things where he just, it ends up as such a punchline or, you know, it's going to be rubbed in his face for every single thing that happens from here on out. But to the Trent Even Williams the way thing, he said it. So you know smugly. Our like, culture is actually damn good. He like pointed at me or us. And I was like, fuck the fuck guy. It's like a politician lying right to your face. Ugh. Awful. I love, um, I, I, I hate, I think the race card is a card that should be played very delicately and used only as a sir card when you really, really, really need it. And I, I hate when it's used callously, whether correctly or incorrectly. I just, as a whole, I, I've always been very reluctant to do that. You, that's why I let you handle this part. But the funny that he, the, the quote that he said about, he still tries to use that money to hold it over black athletes. I would have been okay with oh, him saying the, that. From, from the, the Trent article? Yeah, from the Trent article, yeah. uh, going back to that. Um, I think there's a lot of truth in there. I think there's a little bit of hyperbole in there, but I think there's a lot of truth in there. And I'm going to say the truth part in the sense that I still think Bruce Allen views things in the quote unquote plantation owner mentality, right? That I'm just above everything and you all are disposable assets um, that I can do and, and I, I can deal and dispose with as I please. Um, I don't think he uses his money and his power to lord over just African-American athletes. I think if you want to look at him, look, look at the way he did Scott McLuhan, right? Look the way that Brian Lafemina, Lafemina, yeah, the marketing guy, yeah. right? Like, I don't think it's just exclusive where he's a bigot. I think he's probably got those elements. Don't forget his brother is a person who called an Indian guy a macaca. So let's not forget about all of that. But so that's definitely not, not, not a governor's, not, governors of Virginia. Uh, yeah. Some, it's not, not a thing, patches. but <laughs> Like I said, I think there's a kernel of truth in there. Um, it didn't sit with well with me when I first read the quote, but I understand where he's coming from in that sense. Like I said, it's much more of that plantation owner mentality and that whole, like, we are not here to cultivate good relationships or build a, an organizational that where we care about our assets. Like you are completely disposable to me. And if you have cancer, well, if you die, I can just draft another version of you in, uh, at the next upcoming draft. And I think that's kind of what he, where he was going with that. But the fact that he's calling this out the fact that he's outright saying this is just an indictment. Yeah, of, he's not messing around. He's not messing know? around. The, the, um, yeah, I agree with you on that quote. I, I actually read that quote and I was kind of like, mm, come on, you're reaching a little here. Um, but at the same time, I, when you put it into the light of like thinking of Scott McLuhan, thinking of, um, I wouldn't, hell, I'd even say Kirk. At, at, at oh, Kirk is another great example. Yes. Didn't yeah, you? Yeah. Kirk's another one. Um, um, and I just think Trent, it, it just came off wrong. You know, he, he didn't, the quote wasn't, the quote didn't read the way he meant it. It was out of context a little bit. Um, but I, I do think he's, I mean, it goes back to, there's another, <laughs> we're just going to keep throwing quotes out there, but I think it, it does align nicely to his quote at the, towards the end where he's like, I don't feel like this organization is on the road or I don't know where it is on the road. It's, it's never on the track. It's always going in circles. In circles. Love that. Um, yeah. 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 He's like, we're about to break through. And then, you know, the next year we're, we're um, rebuilding, rebuilding again. And then, 
And then you think about it, and it's like, holy hell, he's been here through the RG3. He's been here for so long. He's been here for the RG3 thing. First part of the Shanahan's where he had Rex and and, and uh, He was and, the uh, Shanahan's first Beckett. draft pick, wasn't he? First it? draft pick, right? So he's been there for the first, the, the I stand by John Beckett part. He was there for Griffin. He was there for Gruden trying to resu- uh, for Gruden trying to resurrect Griffin. Then he was there for Kurt. Then he was there for Alex. And now he's there for this. I mean, think about how many cycles Trent Williams has been through in just a decade. And he always, he always shows up. Except for this year, but he always played, right? And it didn't matter. And he always played at a Pro Bowl level, all pro level. The fact that he's never been an all pro is kind of wild to me. Um, the other thing is like when we're talking about kind of Bruce Allen doing people dirty, we, we brought this up, I don't know, two or three podcasts ago. It's been a while, but it fits nicely in this narrative is that article I sent you around when Trent came out and was like, Oh yeah, Scott McLuhan saved our saved our whole franchise or yes. saved our season or whatever. And then this article you know, he's like, yeah, I don't know why, but Bruce just like wants to stick it to me because I want to be traded. It's like, well, no shit. To your point, like Bruce, if you're not buddy, buddy with Bruce Allen, he's going to do everything he can to belittle you, make you feel terrible and get you the hell out of there. And he doesn't care what, how much money drags you through. And I think the, the, my favorite part is like Trent is like, he's punching back to, to, you know, use your haymaker thing. He's like, you know, it's good. I'm just going to go directly at Bruce now. Screw this cancer stuff. It's over. I'm going right at it. And I thought the article was terrific. I thought the the illustration that Carpent, Les Carpenter made in the story about Les is my dude. the 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 numbness and the burning sensation like that casts a lot of light like think about this if you're wearing a helmet and your skin is literally burning not literally burning like it's you know burning off but like you're getting the burning sensation and then it's going to take another year and a half before you have a normal sensation of wearing a helmet like i think that's really telling like this is not just you had a procedure where you removed an extra patch of skin and now everything's all hunky-dory right like there's some serious ramifications irrespective of the fact that you had cancer that was boring at your brain or towards your brain like that in and of itself is enormous right but then you're still dealing with the repercussions of that that right there's a 99 percent chance of remission i think the story said or 99 percent chance of non-reoccurrence but even then you're still dealing with the aftermath in terms of that like i think that helps cast a, a better light and i don't less carpenter didn't have an axe to grind by saying that fact he is just reporting this is what a reporter is supposed to do or a journalist is supposed to do and the fact that basically I don't think that anything that the Redskins did by coming out and saying, well, we had our medical opinion did this. Like, I don't think there was, they did anything um, in their own best, they're, they're, they're in, not, in the player's best interest. It's all a smear job. As we've talked about, as you mentioned yeah. in other podcasts, we have an epic. Their ability. jobs are not to diagnose cancer. Even that, like we just have the ability to smear people out the door. Exactly to what sure. you're saying. The minute that you don't kiss the ring, exactly to your point, we will not only will we push you out the door, we will ruin and, tar- and tarnish your reputation every tatter of it. The minute you don't coalesce. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, 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 I have this little shit-eating grin on my face right now because one of my good friends is uh, really anti-Haskins. We talked about this last week or two weeks ago, and without without telling him, I ordered him a Haskins jersey. And it just got to his his house, and I got just got a picture to a bunch of my friends and I, with a picture of it, and it's in all caps. Who did this to me? Don't make me reform. <laughs> so, so I've been kind of shitty, this little shitty and grin while we're talking about cancer. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, you know, it's it is a smear campaign. It's what it's what Bruce does, and you know, Trent's not going down quietly. And if he goes, if he's the one that brings Bruce down, put him in, put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I don't care. Put a statue of him in front of whatever. Well, I wouldn't say FedEx because that place is a shithole. Whatever new stadium we end up getting. (laughs) 
I'm going to laugh when we don't have a new stadium and we're just I, stuck at FedEx. <laughs> um, to put a bow on the Trent Williams thing, I think this is also very, very telling because I think this is 100% true, where he talked about the fact that um, even though we have fought the reputation, and I think I, when McLuhan, even I would say when Allen first got here, but McLuhan did a better, even better job of this, that we eliminated the reputation of you come here to get paid. And Trent Williams was basically like, uh, no, we're still that organization because we're certainly not here to take care of you or to bring you into a culture where you're going to improve yourself as a professional. We're basically like, we just throw money at people and they come here because they can't resist that that offer, but no one actually wants to come here. Effectively, he didn't directly say that, but that's what he, if you read him doing the lines, that's what he said. Yeah, his, his, I think his actual line is something to the effect of like, yeah, maybe some players will come here because the money's too good to pass up. It's something, something to that effect. But you're, the way the way you do the context that you just put it in is exactly what he's referring to. And let's be completely honest. We did that with Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson did not want to come to Washington. We basically just paid him a good. We we're the first we ones in line. We kidnapped him. We took him out to Griffin and Garcon. A bunch of guys took him out to the club. They convinced him that night. We put a good money and offer in front of him, and he's dying. We literally held Josh Norman captive for 24 hours in Redskins Park. Did not even allow him to leave for his next visit. We actually kidnapped him, fucking taken style, and didn't allow him to go anywhere until he signed the dotted line, right? And of course he's not. A, we're through $14 million a year at him, but B, we literally didn't allow him to leave. So what else is he going to do uh, to see the light of day? So, yeah, and, and, and I don't know if this isn't true. I might be adding one and one and getting three and a half out of it, but I feel like there's a certain element with Landon Collins, too, that this is what we did. What do, you, what do you mean? No, we threw a big money contract in that he just couldn't refuse. Oh, big money. I thought you meant, okay, yeah. Well, no, no, they, they but luckily, like we yeah, just yeah, I was it. like, I was like, uh, pretty sure he's always wanted to be a Redskin. <laughs> um, no, you're, you're right. I mean, we, we probably, we way overpaid for Landon Collins. Um, like a lot. I still argue it's a very shrewd contract. If you look at the mechanics, Eric Schaefer didn't well, That's because okay. Schaefer's the man. Schaefer's yeah. the man. Um, and Collins is actually, we don't have many bright spots, but he's been one of them. He's, he's pretty damn good. Um, but we did, we, we had to pony up. We, it was, it was like kind of a, it was a classic Dan Snyder signing. Everybody knew he idolized Sean Taylor. Everyone knew that pre-draft Snyder loved him because of that. He showed up to dinner with Snyder and Snyder presented him a game worn Jersey signed by Sean Taylor. Like Snyder was going to give him whatever he wanted. It was basically like what, what, what's your number? And then I'm going to tell, tell this guy, Sheffy over here, to figure out how to get it done. Yeah, that's how that went down. And now we have a safety who's probably going to have 115 tackles a year, maybe a couple of picks here and there. But, like, much rather have that money for somebody else. Um, although the defense, I will say, he has played pretty well. As a devil's advocate argument, just kind of spitballing, how would you feel – irrespective of the fact that we're firing that we fired Bruce Allen, there's an automatic euphoria over that. But let's say we didn't do the Ted Leones this route where we put smart people or a cadre of smart people in the front office. And we actually just turned things over almost exclusively to where we turned Doug Williams into the Bruce Allen figurehead. And we just let Kyle Smith and Eric Schaefer run things. Fine. I mean, Smith, Smith's drafts have been pretty good. Uh, I honestly, think I think Doug. I think scenario. Yeah, I think Doug is good. He would be good at that role as long as he doesn't have to stand up there and talk about, you know, anything regarding scheme. 
um, you know, he's he. I think, and he's kind of a Redskins legend. So, like, if you want to connect with the alumni, there you go. That's he's kind of born and bred to this. Plus, this is kind of weird, but as a head coach of a college team, he's got to recruit. He's got to find players. He's got to connect with them. I feel like he'd be good at it. Uh, that's that being said, Kyle Smith, like this dude's nailed his drafts. And if we're calling a spade a spade here, if if Haskins hits, and you know who knows if he will, but his ceiling is definitely like fucking good. Um, but let's say Haskins does hit just for, you know, shits and giggles here. What's the that draft? Yeah, that, that draft turns into a slam dunk, regardless of what happens with Sweat. Because you have McLaurin, you have Harmon, you have fucking Sims, who technically wasn't drafted, but he's still good. Uh, the two linemen, uh, the two – Pierce Bacher and Wes Martin. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be good depth. Um, Martin maybe even take over a starter at some point. Um, I just think all of a sudden you're you're staring at like a pretty solid borderline franchise altering draft. Your boy Jimmy Moreland, the guy no one's talking about. Moreland, who yeah. Could, who could Cole be Hochul. a thing. Uh, Bryce Love in the fourth round. Don't forget, this guy was a, a few, two, yeah. you know, 2,000 yard, almost 2,000 yards. I think he did it 2,000 at, uh, at his, the year before Stanford. at Stanford. Yeah, he's um, runner up. So, Troy Apke, not so much. But other than that. Um, hey, Apke. He's turned into a great, great teams guy. So that's kind of where I envision things. I'm like, let's say Snyder wants to go the Ted Leonsis route where he doesn't want to completely overhaul things. Ted Leonsis prior to this year. And he just wants to kind of keep everybody in house and push Allen out the door or make Allen captain of Harvest Fest or something like that. We have the structure in place, right? Like we already have a nucleus that you could put out there. I think Doug Williams is exactly the type of guy you need for Harvest Fest, Right. To your point, yeah. just send him there, you know, shake hands and kiss babies. That's what his job is. And maybe, you know, kind of do your, to your point, the recruiting of some of the, on the scouting trail and stuff like that. Kind of like a little bit he did with Darius Geis. And, and I think to some extent with Dwayne Haskins. Another little like subplot here that I don't know. Uh, I think people have forgotten about because it's a while ago. Kyle Smith's been with the Redskins for what, a decade. You know, he's been there for a while now. He's, he's kind of kind of climbed, um, you know, as, as he's gone. But before McLuhan, his dad, A.J. Smith, was a consultant to Dan and was like our pseudo-GM slash kind of on the payroll slash kind of not on the payroll. I don't really know what his position was. But he's a former GM for the, for the Chargers. You know, he was in a capacity role before McLuhan. Um, and his son came in, has slowly built within the, within the organization. And I think, to your point, Snyder is – we talked about this in the past. We haven't talked about it yet, but I think the success of McVay plays a little bit here. He doesn't want smart people that are in-house Leave. leaving. And Kyle Smith, there's a huge uh, athletic article about him before the season about how smart football-wise this guy really is. And then you look at our drafts and you're like, oh, shit, this guy might be special. I had no idea Kyle Smith was A.J. Smith's kid. Yeah. I had I think no idea. I'm no, I'm not doubting you for a second, but that, so he, he, I'm not comparing the two per se, but one of the things that people tend to overlook with McVeigh outside of the fact that he's a great communicator and he has a little bit, at least when it comes to football of an yeah. eidetic a memory confirm, is confirm that son. he's a lifer, right? His father is John McVeigh, who was one of the architects of the 49ers, of the 49ers dynasty, right? Like this guy is a football lifer. And Junkie. I love the fact that like, to me, I think one of the beauties of Kyle Shanahan is think about it. Your dad is Mike Shanahan, 
right? Your dad is the guy who coached Joe Montana and Steve Young and, you know, brought the best out of them, mostly Steve Young, but did that type of stuff. And when you have that as your, you know, as, as your dinner table conversation, for lack of a better description, I love that. I, I genuinely do not know that. It makes all the sense in the world, though. Yeah. So, like, I just looked at I, I just wanted to confirm, make sure I wasn't making shit up. It is a but, uh one of, one of my favorite, uh, my favorite, I literally just looked it up, so I can't say that. But one of the quotes that I found that I, I do like is uh, Kyle Smith's talking about his dad. He says, most dads read their kids' Bernstein Bears books. My dad would read Miami Dolphins' AFC East advanced reports to me. Like to your point, this dude's been fed football forever. That's what they have with Scott Scott McLuhan because his uh, his dad was a pro baseball scout or a pro football scout, and McLuhan that's what he used to do. Yeah, and but but he McLuhan used to say that like his dad when his like mom I, don't, I can't remember his parents are divorced. I don't want to slander someone if they're not, but like you know his dad would basically just take him on scouting trips, right? So it's like think about that if you're bred doing that shit. And that's obviously in your blood. So this is a long-winded way of saying that there, we have a really talented guy in-house. And to, exactly to what you're saying, I, I think Snyder – I think the entire NFL is very reluctant about letting Wonder Kids leave their organizations after viewing what happened to McVay and seeing the recent spat of all the young people were hiring, um, that the league is hiring. And, um, and, and he's going to want to do everything to kind of keep them in-house. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. It's – a lot of people are pining for uh, what's his name, Riddick, and wouldn't be upset if Riddick came in. Seems like a pretty smart guy. He also loved Haskins coming out of college, so I think there's a parallel there to make sure that we at least give Haskins a chance to be somewhat successful. But you know, regardless of of uh, the drafts, yeah, I think you're right. Smith's already in place. He knows he knows how to work with Dan. So does Riddick in a co- capacity. Because he was what our pro scout, pro development scout guy, whatever he was back in the early 2000s. I think right when Gibbs was here the second time. Yeah, and then Riddick also went and formed the team of destiny over in Philly, which fucking bombed. Um, but oh, you mean the dream team? Yeah, yeah, the dream team. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, but the you know I, I think Smith's there, and and uh, it'll be interesting because this draft coming up is is uh, is an important one, you know. And Smith hit on the last one. He hits on this one. All of a sudden, we have. I mean, two good classes back-to-back changes your whole team. Before we get down that, I just realized, I, was, I think I'm looking at the same athletic story as you. I forgot that Morocco Brown is working with Chris Ballard over in Indianapolis. And Chris Ballard is an animal. And, of course, when you have a right-hand guy like Morocco Brown over there, former Redskin, well – It was with us for, like, 20 years. I was going to say very, very well regarded over here. And the fact that, of course, another guy that we let walk out the door and doing really well. Uh, yeah, so great does. point. So – there was a poll that came out as some, as some Redskins Twitter person, I can't remember, not an official, but just another super fan or something came out and they were saying, they're like, how would you feel about um, the Redskins taking an offensive tackle in the top 10 picks of the draft? And a bunch of people are like, yeah, yeah, it'll be the next hogs. We should resurrect the hogs. And the offensive line is, you know, we're losing Trent Williams and Morgan Moses stinks and stuff like that. We definitely need an offensive line. And my philosophy on this, I, I went back um, so you're tweet, you're, you had a good tweet about this, by the way. If you went back and you looked at the last 14 or since 2014, there's like 14 offensive linemen. I'm trying to look at what it was. Um, and literally like a small handful, if that made it to the Pro Bowl. I, I'm not even doing it fully justice. But basically the only, the, in the last five years of offensive tackles that were drafted, the only good one to come out was Taylor Lewan, right? So he is still, um, 
Yeah, the last five years, there's 13 offensive tackles taken in the first round of the NFL draft. The last five years, only one, Taylor Lewan, back in 2014, is available. The, there's a big thing that with the proliferation of spread offenses in the college game, offensive tackles aren't the plug and play position that they weren't. It isn't when like Chris Samuels and guys of that nature were coming out that if you draft that there is a no fail policy, unless it's like Tony Mandridge taking roids or something, right? Like that concept doesn't exist. I mean, look at Eric Fisher was a number one pick in 13, I believe it was. And like, there's one draft like Jake Matthews for the Falcons and another guy went in the top six and like there are these picks that are Greg Robinson, I think was in the, the 2012 draft. You're going to say flowers. Uh, or no? uh, I mean, forget exactly flowers, right? The only caveat to this was that if you look at Brandon Sheriff as a tackle, even though we played him as guard then he bucks my, my statistical thing, but irrespective, like this idea that we're going to two things. Number one, Draft using a top five, let's even say top seven asset on an offensive tackle is taking one step back to take one step forward. You are in no different place. It's not a guarantee that even if you draft the top offensive tackle in the top seven picks, he's going to be that much better than Donald Penn. And I'm not saying we should keep Donald Penn, but I'm saying you're actually at status quo. And then number two, you're using a, I, I'm basically repeating myself, but like you're using a pick on a, on a player who's not going to like, it's not a set and forget it type of pick, right? I'm not saying we're going to be in position to do this, but there are three to four super to elite blue chip prospects. In my opinion, we all know my stance on Chase Young. Chase Young is the game changer. If you are stupid enough, and I'm not saying their Redskins fans gonna. are, but if we're in a position to draft Chase Young and some jackass comes and says, no, I think we should take an offensive tackle. That's like saying you would rather have, think about, would you, would you rather have in their prime Tyron Smith or Khalil Mack? Sorry. I'm, I'm taking Khalil Mack 10 times to 10, 11 times out of 10, regardless, right? Uh, or let's even say not a Cowboys offensive tackle, but just someone of that caliber, right? Smith's pretty I'm, good. Right? And even then, it, or fine, let's just say we're not a, in range to get Chase Young. There's Jerry Judy. There's Grant Delpit. I have a big, from LSU, I have a big soft spot for safety. So I think given the current state of our safeties and the fact that we don't really still don't have anyone opposite Landon Collins, you're talking about a beast of a secondary. There's Jeff Akuda from Ohio State. I'm not saying we should use a top five pick on a cornerback, but I am saying I'd rather probably look at a cornerback given the current state of the position, putting him next to someone like Quentin uh, Dunbar. Dunbar, thank you. I was going to say Quentin Jammer, and I'm like, it's not Quentin Jammer. Quentin Dunbar, <laughs> thank you. Um, Jammer hasn't played in like 10 years. Exactly, right? As opposed to taking an offensive tackle. Like, all right, if we're an 11 or 12, God forbid we're that far down, and that's the best player available, fine. Then you take that player. But I don't know. I, I just, the fact that there's a bunch of Redskins fans who are like, yeah, you know, they're thinking that this is the 1980s and we're just going to rebuild the hogs again. I think it's just very delusional. And I know you have a different perspective, so I'll shut up. Yeah. So for those, for those 20 people in Delaware that are listening to this, the, the reason this podcast came to be is I actually texted you saying, I have a different opinion on the draft. We should talk. About it. Um, it's not, it's not terribly different. Um, I do have a little bit. I do think what's the Georgia kid's name, Andrew Thomas. I'd be Andrew totally Thomas. fine with, yeah, totally fine with taking that guy because they just sit back, they sit in the most pro style offense probably in all of college football. They do. He is ready. Um, there's a reason they're comparing him to Smith from the Cowboys, right? Mm -hmm. Like he is 
he is kind of ready-made. Now, the reason I want to talk about this is I am – so I am assuming we don't have the ability to draft Chase Young. Caveat, which is fair. If Chase Young's there, I'm, you know, I'm sprinting that card up to that podium as fast as possible. It's like when Jonathan Allen fell to us at 17. It was like, dude, get that yeah. card turned Run, in do as not fast as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't even, don't even answer the phone. Fucking go get him. Uh, God, that'd be so cool. Uh, but having said that, so one of the reasons I want to talk about it is you, you've been uh, enamored is not the right word, but you've been harping on Judy as a wide receiver for a while. And one of the things we talked about last time was the idea of every report we heard coming out regarding Turner Williams and a trade is not only do we want draft picks, but we want playmakers. Everyone knows in Ashburn that we need playmakers around Haskins. I think a lot has changed in two, literally two weeks around just that. And I, I am now soured on the idea of drafting Judy. Um, now, if we did, I, I won't complain. I'll probably buy his jersey uh, from China. So Dan doesn't see a dollar. Right, exactly, right. <laughs> so Dan doesn't see a dollar. Um, but my point is, I was on board when we talked about Judy, I think, last week, two weeks ago, whenever it was. But the more I watch Haskins, the more I watch the offense kind of come into its own and gel a little bit, the less and less I think we actually need a legit top five tier. I mean, you could always use them, but I think we could use that draft pick for something else. I'm on board with taking Thomas from, from Georgia. I know it's not the sexy pick. I know it's, to your point, one step back to take one step forward. But, like, we need someone to protect Haskins. And I'm only on this if it's Thomas, for the record. I don't want to draft any other offensive tackle. But he is, like, ready-made to do it. And he's athletic. He's huge. He's built. He's coming from the SEC. This guy can do it. My real wants, though, from here on out, and I'm saying this because of Sims. Steven Sims Jr., has like totally changed my thought process behind uh, the draft. That dude is electrifying. I don't know if he's I, – I think he's more than a gimmick player at this point. If you watch uh, uh, some of his routes, he's making some D-backs look silly, right? And I think we need to just run with now. Judy comes in there and he makes routes look pretty flawless. It's different. Um, but the talent we need, I think, in the offense now is mostly – because we, we're not smart enough to draft the best player available. We, we'll take what we need. Let's be real here. Um, what we need is a tight end, and I'm not taking a tight end with a fucking top ten pick. I don't I care mean, if it's, I don't care if it's fucking Gronk. Um, you know, take that guy in the third round. So if we if we Youngs decide, I'm in favor of either taking Thomas, which is not the sexy pick. It's not, you know, I, I can I can see you immediately text me and be like, God damn it, I wish you'd shut your mouth. Um, slash. I would prefer my, my – what I deeply want is to trade down. Um, because, That's the ideal scenario. Yeah. I, like, I, am, I am all – I'm usually anti-trade down because I'm like, you got the first-round pick, just take it. I don't want to take someone in the 20s or whatever. But I keep thinking about how the Bears moved up one spot and what they gave up to get Trubisky. Like, there is going to be a quarterback-needed team that's going to come calling that we need to trade with. Take the Lions, for example. I'm not saying they will because they have Stafford. But they're sitting at nine. They may want to trade up to, to three, four, whatever we are, five maybe, right? Someone's going to fall in love with Tua. I know he's got his hip. He's got his problem. But, like, the someone's draft is kind of – Someone's going to fall in love with, with Justin Herbert. I promise you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Oregon kid who can spin it. Yep. I mean, to your point, he sucked against Arizona State. But that dude's good. Yep. And my point is, is, like, if we really want to build this team right, 
I think you either buckle down and build this lines with Haskins and like I think Geis is a game changer here. Have you seen the stats of Geis with the stack box? They're nuts. I haven't uh, seen that. I'll send it to you afterwards. Like the stats with him versus stack box are actually legitimately insane. Um, and Peterson should never touch the ball. Period. Although I hope he gets twenty five carries against the Packers and we lose by forty. Um, my point being is like I take Thomas. I protect. I, I protect the investment we have in Haskins, or I trade down, accumulate picks, and build build out, and then take a tight end somewhere late second, early third because. Haskins clearly likes throwing the ball to Sprinkle, and Sprinkle is literally the worst tight end in the league. So for that's what I want to talk about. That's why I want to talk about it. So I think, for shits and giggles, let's say we fall to six, right? Let's say uh, the end season ends and we drop, we, we hit number six at that point, right? So you're probably, so we'll take one side step to the left. If I'm sitting at three, I would have, in, in Burrow and Young, who I presume are the lock for one and two, at, as, at least as of, early December of 2019, right? Those guys are gone. I'm not taking Jerry Judy. I don't think Judy is in the class. Like if, if I'm taking a wide receiver at three, he's got to be Calvin Johnson and at worst Julio Jones, where like I look at that guy and I'm like, that's not the wide receiver. That's not a wide receiver. That's the predator. Like that's what the wide receiver has to well, look like for me. Right. Yeah. And like, I don't think Judy is that guy. <laughs> good, like, compar- good comparison. Right. Like <laughs> those digital freaks. Exactly right. Like that's just what it is. If, if I'm spending that type of asset on it, that's what I gotta get right. And I don't think Judy is that guy. Mostly for the size thing, I think he's a route running savant. I absolutely do. But I'm not taking a guy who's a, under, you know, who's you know, a, a Harold and Kumar meal away from being 195 pounds. Like I can't do that. He's just he's not big enough, right? Um, so my preference in that case would be to trade down. And I think if we if we were able to trade down, like let's say somebody falls in love with to your point to Tua or Justin Herbert or something like that. And they're like, we got to get to number three and leapfrog Miami or, or maybe even Detroit, um, yeah, or Detroit or anyone else who, or let's for non Jacksonville. Um, but no, the Jets, not a good example. All right. Yeah. No, Jets of Donald, what am I talking about? The, the Chargers, another great example. They're probably, they're one step away from pushing Fall Rivers out the door. Somebody of that nature. Fall right? Rivers. If we jump, if we fall to 11 and 12, I'm completely fine with at that point going wide receiver with like a guy like CD lamb who like a lot of people like, or a guy that might be rich for Henry Ruggs. It might be good for some of the guys I mentioned. Like I love safeties really, as I mentioned before, become my, one of my favorite positions on the field. I think it's just a fascinating thing to get someone like Grant Talbot, who I think is a beast. Um, there's a couple offensive tackles. I'm one of those things that if, if you're going to get an offensive tackle, I don't really care how good they are. Just go get them from Wisconsin, Michigan, or Iowa. So the Iowa guy who's a top 10 prospect, like just go get him. You're probably going to do okay, right? Um, and then just load up on, you know, because like in every draft, this pick is ba- this draft is basically the same between guys number 16 and guys number 50, right? So get a bunch of those picks and just trust our staff you know that snyder's not going to care about anything outside the top 10 anyway so let them let them do their job yeah no that's that's kind of where i am right now i think like i just i started viewing this but the fact that we're talking about the draft week 14 sucks um the 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 reason i started thinking about this is like i think sims you know i don't know if he's gonna be good but like he seems to have good rapport with with Haskins, he's running really good routes, and when he touches the ball, good shit happens. Um, not only that, like if you watch the tape from the Panthers game, which we both <laughs> will say we, we say all the time, but like, we're not brick. It's not all all twenty two. Um, 
But like Sims is wide open in the red zone multiple times and Haskins just doesn't throw the ball. Sims um, is crafty. He does yeah. things. But I, I think that's good. I mean, he's, maybe it's because my, my benchmark right now is Trey Quinn. He's the worst slot receiver in the NFL. Yeah, you could do um, a lot worse. I mean, a lot better. <laughs> um, but like, I just think watching his routes and he's, he's, he is, he should have been drafted. He was undrafted kid. That kid should have been drafted. He has the ability to, to do it all. Um, Geis also to me changes this a little bit. Um, and obviously we're banking on him being healthy here, which is terrifying. Uh, but we have Bryce Love stashed already. He's going to be healthy by next year. So our offense has pieces now. We just need to find a way to protect those pieces. Exactly. Like other running back positions, like you can't, not that you are, but it's like, we're not going to just sit here and say that like, Oh, well, you know, Darius guys is everything. No, there's still Darius guys. There's Bryce love and there's Chris Thompson. And I might be the last Chris Thompson stand on, on God's green earth, but there's still Chris Thompson, right? I'm there. I'm there with you. So like, we're not, no one picks, no one not, picks up a third down blitz like Thompson. Exactly. Right. Even he's, he's a buck 50 and even then he's still doing it. Right. So it's like, we're not going to push him out the door. So there, I mean, we can push Wendell small without the door immediately, but like, you know, we still have those guys. So like, it's not like we're just putting all our eggs in that one basket. Um, uh, to your point, and we've talked about this ad nauseum in other episodes, our tight end position is, is, is a certified atrocity. It is a bona fide tire fire. Um, and it's also what, I mean, Haskins threw the sprinkle at least seven times. There's a Twitter account that just, I think that renamed themselves Jeremy Sprinkle dropped it again or something like that. And it's just, it's, sure. it's, it's just, it's, it's very apropos because that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, sprinkle reminds. Like- he reminds me of a homeless man's Eric Ebron that he looks the part. You're like, oh man, if he, if he just holds on to the ball, but he's never going to hold on to the ball. No, he, I mean, that drop he had when. Um, it was in the end Haskins zone. Broke was the pocket. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, Haskins it was a, broke the pocket. It was like a, it was like third and 12. Haskins is basically, it was probably Haskins' best play. And he just straight up dropped the ball. Uh, he's so bad. I was like, man, I wish Logan Paulson was around. Like, come on, he's he's terrible. And I we drafted him in what the fourth round. Um, we need like Jamie Asher to come back, throw back to the nineties. Jamie um, Asher, you remember Stephen Thompson from from uh, Oklahoma? Oh yeah, yeah. You had him. Then uh, we had another dude for a while. What was uh, Stephen Alexander? Wasn't he a tight end? Did I make that up? Stephen Alexander. Yeah. Yeah, from Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was, oh, that's right. I was like, wow. I was like, why is that name sitting in my head so much? It's because you literally just said it. My um, buddy. Um, so it's funny you mentioned Sprinkle, or when we're talking about Sprinkle, and we were talking about when we drafted him. Uh, um, literally right after we made that pick, my buddy John, fellow Tech alumni, was like, "Isn't that the guy who shoplifted from the Belk right before Virginia Tech played Arkansas in the Belk Bowl?" And yes, it was that Jeremy Sprinkle shoplifted from a Belk at the Belk Bowl. Good. So. Charlotte, North Carolina, hop into place. Exactly. Um, hey, uh, actually, Belk Bowl is it's the last time this year. Last Belk Bowl ever. They're not renewing their uh, – Pour one out for the Belk Bowl. Now, you're going to be in the Belk Bowl, so you may I want to start Sun, I heard Sun Bowl. Let's not talk about that. We're what do, you, do, you think, do you think Niles Paul can come back and play? That's how badly we need to tie in right now. Nas Paul, if he could stay healthy, man. Nas Paul was he was like a real H back, right? Like he was Yeah, like, he was great. He was more athletic Donnie Warren in many cases. I know that's that's yeah, heresy, but he was jacked. I remember him well, he was a wide receiver coming out of Nebraska, right? And then we told him. Yeah, to and we and like, we beefed him up. Yeah. Damn. Because he was a little slow. 
All right, let's segue a little bit um, along that, and let's take a quick look ahead at a game I hope we lose from the, from the context of everything that we've just got done talking about. Um, we play the Green Bay Packers. It's at home, isn't it? I don't, it's no, it's in Green Bay. It's in Perfect. Wonderful. That's, that's good news. I'm very happy to hear that. Um, Green Bay right now still has a reputation of being a really good team, and as long as they've got the, the fucking gangster at quarterback that they do, they're still always dangerous. But Green Bay started the season 7-1. and one. However, they've been 2-2 two and two over the last four. They're one of those teams that they're really good and they can look really, really good in cases, but they're not quite as good as most people think. And one of the things kind of, for some reason I like the Packers, like I've adopted them as a weird surrogate team just because, as I said many times, Aaron Rodgers is my favorite. because they beat the Cowboys in the 90s. Yeah, that too. Uh, But Aaron Rodgers just one of my – has been my favorite non-Redskins player for quite some time, even when Rodgers wasn't quite Aaron Rodgers yet. Um, but the thing about them is when you watch them, they still underutilize Aaron Jones, which frustrates me to no end. Um, but they're not that great. They just, they don't turn the ball over. Uh, one of the interesting stats that jumped out to me, they're second in different turnover differential. It's because they have the second fewest giveaways and they're in the top seven, I think, in, in takeaways, right? So they just don't really beat themselves. I think Matt LaFleur was another, he drank beer with Scott, with uh, Sean McVay. So we have to hire him as a head coach uh, concept. Um, I don't know whether he's really adding a lot of value. And then Mike Pettin was getting a lot of buzz early in the season, but his defense has kind of been very Mike Pettin-y where um, it's fun, it's fancy, and it's not that great. The, um, for, the, for, for the record now, the Cowboys are getting boat raced by Chicago. Um, which is hilarious. The fact that Chicago is beating them by more than two touchdowns, I, I just is chef's kiss. Um, yeah, I, I actually have a soft spot from the Packers too. I don't really know why. I think they're just generally been a fun team to watch. And Rodgers is so good. You just sometimes you're just like, sweet, let's just watch this guy. Um, they kind of remind me of, and not in the way, not in style by any means, but they kind of remind me of the Bears last year. It was like all of a sudden this team had a new coach and they were, they were really good, but you were at the same time, you were kind of like, eh, they're not that good. Right. Like one of the, I don't, I don't do a ton of betting. One of the few bets this year I did was the over under for wins for the bears was 10 and a half. I think I was like way under. Oh, I was going to say race to the bank and take that, whatever your odds are getting. Yeah. And they just, they just screamed to me like a team that on paper has a really good record and to quote Bill Parcells, you are what your record is. But I, I don't think they're that good a team. Um, you have, I mean, you have arguably the greatest quarterback in the league right now. Um, he's probably not anymore, but he was what five years ago and he still is. He's fucking Aaron Rodgers. Um, you have, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the, the wide receiver, Devontae um, Adams. Adams is on my fantasy team. Yeah. Devontae Adams is great. He's excellent. Um, and you know, I think when you don't turn your ball over, you're what nine and three, what's their record? Um, they lead the division. Um, and I think this, I think they're just kind of an okay team to your point doesn't beat themselves, which scares me because I don't want to go in there and like they shit to bed and all of a sudden we're in the game. Um, but when you don't turn the ball over, you win football games. Just look at us last year. We were six and three as everyone, we didn't everyone, well everyone knows. Yeah. Everyone knows we were six and three last year because we were close. It's literally Bruce only Allen, because Bruce Allen would remind you that we were six and three as well. Yeah. And the only reason though is because we didn't turn the ball over. So like, that's what scares me about this game because I'm telling you right now, I texted you this probably yesterday or two days ago. We have got to find a way to embarrass ourselves on Sunday. 
Yes. I think this game is critical. Like I was, I've been kind of going back and forth uh, with a couple of my friends about this. I think this game is like critical. Um, look, the, the remaining games we have are Giants, Eagles, Cowboys. I think it's that order. Regardless, it's all NFC East teams with the Giants and Eagles coming to play us, I believe. Um, yes. Those games, like, I think are kind of a crapshoot. Like, no one gives a shit about the Giants. They're still going to overrun our stadium. Uh, I really sincerely hope that Week 16 against the Eagles is a repeat of Week 17 last year, and the whole stadium is green, um, which will piss Dan off even more. And the Cowboys game, I think is. Yeah, the Cowboys game is a toss-up because I don't know if they'll either be playing for the division or they won't be in Week 17, so I don't know what's going to happen. My point is, is we're playing a winning team on the road that has rich tradition, and we're coming off two consecutive wins where they look better each week. It's an important game for Haskins. I really hope he plays well. I hope guys continue to play well. But we cannot allow (laughs) – I say we like we're on part of the team. We can't allow a win. We can't allow a win. We have to embarrass ourselves. I'm talking – I don't want any sort of table for Callahan to stand on. I don't want any sort of like remote Bruce Allen being like, hey, we just went into uh, Green Bay. I told you we weren't far off. We just needed to change some things. Nothing. No hope. Fucking nail this coffin shut. Embarrass ourselves. Let's get in. Let's lose 42 to 10. Make it happen. I'm like, I am all in on tanking. <laughs> I think, um, so to segue to one of your points you were making before we started the podcast, um, our offensive line hasn't exactly been world beaters. And we're going to face a two familiar DC area threats um, with the last name of Smith. That would be Zadarius Smith from Baltimore. Although I guess it's not technically DC area, but close enough. And our good friend, Preston Smith. From He's got ten and a half sacks. Ten and a half sacks. Baltimore is the only team. Uh, Baltimore, uh, Green Bay is the only team in the NFL who has two players in the top eight in the in the NFL in sacks. Two players with double digits: Zedarius and Preston Smith. And one of them used to go into the Redskins. And as we've discussed in other podcast episodes, when asked about his success, and Preston Smith said, "Oh, it's because they actually know how to utilize me." Thank you, Greg Minuski. How awesome would it be if he had like a. Strip sack and picked it up and ran it for a touchdown. Oh yeah, I hope he has two turnover, two touchdowns off of like fumble recoveries and things like that, just to spite us, just to spite Bruce. That is exactly what it is. I never hope want we, to see. Did we even offer him a contract extension? Like, do we I even really think so? I we may have done the the requisite low ball tender or something or other, but no, nothing significant. Not like a, a genuine college try to actually keep him around no yeah and he was one of those players that like if you look at i mean this this sounds like football speak because it pretty much is but if you look at his stats if i just look up a random player and i look up preston smith and he's like eight sacks maybe a pick maybe a fumble recovery you know 40 tackles because he's a edge edge linebacker in a 3-4 defense and you look at those stats and you're like eh, you moved on you we went for you went for the younger cuter sexier pick from the same school playing the same position uh in my in sweat yeah yeah same he literally just replaced him um so like that part is is obviously how bruce looks at this and so we let him walk but if you actually look at his game tape and by game tape i mean like i feel like every time i watched the redskins the last four years we'd always say the same thing damn smith was like right there right there he always and not like Brian league. Arakpo, where he looked like he was right there, but he really wasn't. Like you know, he actually was right there. Yeah, he he won his individual matchups all the time, 
he just, for whatever reason, never got home as much as we probably wanted him to. Um, and I actually, I think one of the big things you see out of this now, though, is this is not to take away from Kerrigan by any means, but the year Smith leaves, Kerrigan kind of disappears because, like, I think there's, I think there's something there because you could put right now with Sweat, you can put Kerrigan in a double team and leave Sweat on an island. And yes, he's getting better, and we've talked about it. But look, they're not worried about. It. He's not getting close. His sacks come against tight ends and, and when he's a free rush. Our Smith. entire team is underperforming this year, but I feel like, and this could be recency bias, this is, the one, this is probably the worst season I've, I've seen Kerrigan in terms of like how long you'll go in games without hearing his name. I mean, I didn't even know he wasn't playing last week. Right. He's, or he's just in general, head. like if he was playing, you're like, oh, he's on the field. Yeah. But I think my, my point is like, I think Smith being on the field, almost getting home, beating, you know, he, he was winning his matchups, allowed Kerrigan to show more. Kerrigan was the, I think the 13th overall pick. He's a grinder. 10th. You know, that's 10th. No, no, point, 7, 17th, 17th, sorry. 17th, whatever it was. He, he's a grinder. He's not someone that's just going to flash, right? Smith had the athleticism to do that. It helped Kerrigan. Now we, now we're stuck without him and Kerrigan has disappeared. To your point, he like, I mean, he has, what, four and a half sacks this year? And three of them, I think, came in two games. Uh, so I think I, Smith is just another example of us not recognizing we have a real talent on our team and letting him walk. And to quote Trent Williams, we're going in circles. We literally just, just fucking drafted a, the same player. Was a top 30 talent in the 2015 draft. Scott McLuhan, who definitely is not good at drafting people. 35? According to, Reds, according to Redskins fans, got him at 38 overall in the second round. 30. That was the year we walked out of the draft with Sheriff and Preston Smith. But, hey, Scott McLuhan doesn't know how to draft anyone. So, yeah. Wasn't Crowder in that draft class, too? I believe he Wasn't was. He in, in, our, in our favorite guy, Matt Jones. Um, Matt Jones. Um, but the, I, I just think he's another example of a football guy who we didn't realize was a football guy because we're not smart enough to keep players like that. Not every player is going to have 17 sacks. Well, I think so. Preston Smith was one of those guys where it took a couple of it was took a couple of years to get the maturity level under his feet. Like as a teaser, I'm writing a story for my Ooh, personal teaser. Here we go. Of uh, uh, personal weekly predictions column, and I'm writing about Devonte Parker, who is in the top 20 in the NFL and receiving right now. Right. And for four years, he was like this bust that like everyone's like, you know, and the thing was, it's just one of those maturity concepts where like he answers the NFL, doesn't really know what he's doing. He's a dumb kid that's been entitled his whole life because he's really good at athletics and everyone blows smoke up his ass because they're all looking for handouts later on. And he didn't realize that you can't come to the NFL. And this is literally a quote, live on chicken nuggets and play video games all night and expect to be a high functioning professional athlete on the field every day. Right. But he just didn't understand that. And I think to a certain extent, there were always stories with Preston Smith that he just didn't understand the work it took off the field. Cause in college, you know, if you're a gifted athlete, you don't have to really do shit, right? You just show up on Saturday and you're going to beast out, but that obviously doesn't apply in the NFL and I think Smith had that learning curve and by the time he got to towards the edge of the curve the Redskins are like yeah we're going to push you out now right when you're approaching your prime and now people are actually able to utilize that yeah he was a beast his rookie year have you ever looked at his stats he had a really good rookie year he lagged off as a sophomore and he showed flashes I think as in his third year if my progression he went yeah he went eight sacks four and a half eight back to four so that's why we let him walk and then ten and a half. But his rookie year, he also forced four fumbles 
And I was at the playoff game. I think it's the last Redskins game I went to uh, against the Packers where he was a safety. He, he sacked uh, Rodgers in the end zone for a safety. That. Uh, Jordan and it's a second on that game too. Yeah, it's the second straight home playoff game. We've gone up 10 points in the first quarter. In I was going to say it was another 14-3 lead that we blew, if I'm not mistaken, kind of like we did against yep. the Seahawks. Yep. I was at both games. Then I swore off the next field. <laughs> I went to the Redskins-Detroit playoff game back in 99. 91. Yeah. Oh, 99. 99. No, the Gus no, Farrakh game? Huh? The Gus Farrakh game? Gus Farrakh was the Lions quarterback. Yes, I'm that Gus Farad. I was like, no, Gus Farad. Like, what are you talking about? He banged his head into the into the wall like gears. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, Gus Farad was there. Yeah, God, um, I love Gus. I loved Gus. I loved Gus since that <laughs> yeah. since the first preseason game against Buffalo, and he looked like a beast. I'm like, fuck this Schuler guy. We're putting everything on Gus. Um, Gus, we trust. Um, yeah. So getting back to that, um, I think the. The Packers are not the Lions or the, or the Panthers for that matter. The Panthers was a bad no-show. Like, I don't know if it was fire Ron Rivera worthy, but it was a really, really bad no-show. Like, that was a really inexcusable. Well, you're speaking of turnovers. I mean, they beat themselves. Uh, that too, but it was just a like really bad loss. Our first, a, our, our first touchdown came because Allen made a horrible pass and, Dun, and not Dunbar. Uh, Moreau picked it off at the seven. Um, he threw it right to that, Moreau. Yeah, he threw it right to him. I don't even, I don't even know where he was throwing the ball. Uh, but to the, to the original point on the Packers that I made, it's like I want I, I don't want Bruce to be able to say we beat the Packers, a division leading nine and three team on the road with a rookie quarterback, with a second year running back, and three rookie wide receivers. And not not to mention, I mean, they've got Aaron Rodgers. They got Aaron Rodgers. Not to mention, I did it without Trent Williams. And the other guy playing over there happens to be Preston Smith, who I said not to resign. There's a lot of things going on in this game, and I'd like – we can't win. And if you're looking for reasons why the Redskins could win, if you are one of those delusional Redskins fans who are looking for a win and think that somehow that is actually a good thing and not Perrick in nature, um, as mentioned a little bit, the Packers defense is kind of – wonky and not good to be completely honest with you uh was reading one of the stats that jumped out to me that they're i think over the in over the last 20 years they're on pace to give up the most average 20 yard plus gain, uh, gains to the opponents so they average giving up over four plays of 20 or more yards every single game which is their like i said their fourth highest total over the last two decades um the packers defense the packers defense has allowed 25 drives of more than 10 plays this year. That's the fifth most in the NFL. Um, in their two losses over the last month, the two teams against San Francisco, they do a good job running the ball. The Chargers, not so much. They gave up 270 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Um, the Packers are 28th in rushing defense DVOA. We're coming off a game where Pete Peterson and, um, and Geis went for like 230 combined, right? Uh, when just, just a hair uh, under that. 99, 99 and 129. Or so. Yeah. Yeah. So – um, if you're looking for hope there, there it, it comes in that form. Of course, you know, we have Dunbar and Moreau and not really much else besides our buddy Moreland. And um, while they have Devontae Adams, the rest of the supporting cast has been pretty terrible. Like a lot of people were all up on Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez, Scantling before the season started. And they've stunk. They have absolutely been doo-doo butter this entire season. Um to the point where like Alan Lazard, who I don't think anyone had ever heard of prior to the season is like getting targets. Um, I, I really want to see 
because I, I read a stat that uh, Devontae Adams is the fourth highest targeted receiver on average per game. And I want to see Greg Minuski completely being blown away when all these passes go in Adams' direction and he doesn't do anything to roll coverage towards him and just try to stop that. Well, I'm excited to put Moreland on him and just watch him get torched. Um, to, to your advanced running stat, I, I, I think Adams is going to get his. Um, that I think you can't, yeah, it's you a can't stop. Yeah, you can't stop it. Uh, the the uh, the running the running defense is what terrifies me. The Cowboys are just gave up thirty points to Trubisky. This is amazing. Does Garrett make it? it is but the advanced stats on Geis's last game, uh, probably not. I don't know if Garrett makes it through the weekend. Do they just score? Do they just score again? It's thirty-one fourteen. Trubisky just ran it in from like twenty yards out. I don't know if Garrett survives the weekend. Hell yeah! No, no it's a bad thing. No, it's a bad it's a thing. Terrible thing if they fire Garrett. I just like. I know. I just like the Cowboys being a totally, totally I, dysfunctional. Lo- any loss but, by but them Garrett, is a good thing. But I do love Garrett just clapping, sitting there clapping. My wife's um, cousin is a Cowboys. He's a group born and raised in Houston, but he still roots for the, the Cowboys because that's what people in Texas do. And he like, he'll, uh, I never really talk trash with football because I'm a Redskins fan and I have no leg to stand on about anything. And he'll like every Redskins Cowboys game, he'll send, he'll send me something. So he sent me a snarky message after the last game. And every single time the Cowboys beat the Redskins, I tell him one thing. I'm like, you've just cemented Jason Garrett's job status a little further. Congratulations. Yeah, oh, man. I hope they. I hope he survives. They win the division, and then, hey, hell, make a run. I don't care. Make it to the NFC Championship game and lose because your receiver doesn't catch the ball, even though it's probably a catch, and your hearts are broken. Um, I hope you pay Elijah, um, Ezekiel Dak. Elliott, and Dak Prescott. I hope you pay them each fifty million dollars a year. Do it. Just do yeah. it. I'm fine with it. He's already halfway home. Give Cooper another fifty while you're at it. Do it. Yeah. Um, I found these guy stats. These guy stats are nuts. So he ran for 10 for 129 last week, right? That's, a, that's essentially 13 yards a carry. But of all NFL running backs, the guy spent the least amount of time behind the line of scrimmage, and he only spent 2.51 seconds total behind the line of scrimmage. I did so not only, he, not only is he hitting the hole, but he's getting there fast, right? He also saw a stacked box 60% of the time, which was the second most in the NFL. And – um, he was the most north-south runner at 1.8 yards rush rushes game. So he hit the he he's got eight guys in the box. He hits the hard and he's fucking running you over and he's gone. So I alluded to this in the solo cast that I did earlier this week, and I went back and I genuinely took a bunch of notes before the 2018 draft or 2018 whatever guys got two years guys, ago. Two years guys ago. And, and Barkley got drafted right. So I, I had because I was interested in all the running backs. I loved Ronald Jones. I know he's not a thing yet, but like he was my favorite running back, and I was really skeptical about Barkley, Saquon Barkley coming out of Penn State. I mean, I knew that guy had all the physical talent in the world you could ask for. But the one thing that drove, drives me nuts about college running backs, and it drove me nuts a lot about Barkley, is that they try to bounce everything outside all the time, right? Like here's the whole. I'm going to go that way, right? Because it looks like I have greener pastures in the other direction. If you give your, uh, going back to the comment earlier, if you're the best athlete on the field, you can get away with it. The thing that I loved about Geis is when you consistently saw his highlights on my YouTube scouting, right? When you watched him, he was a guy who north-south, um, you know, drives his legs, waits for the hole to develop, and he hits it right at the right time. Like he consistently did that. And like I said, he enjoys contact. He was a yard, he was, 
a yards after contact guy. And, but his patience and the way he allowed things to develop and then kind of going after that and always going straight, not jitterbugging or dancing around or tap dancing in the backfield. That was one thing I really liked months before I realized guys was going to be a member of the Redskins. So it's great to see that now he's healthy and he's on the field and he's kind of come showing that form that he did back at LSU. Yeah, he's shown it. He's, dude, he's good. He's, he's also quick. Uh, for a guy that built like he is, when that screen pass against the Jets when he took off down the sideline, I was like, whoa, who's this guy? Uh, so he's strong. He's built. Hits the whole heart. I mean, he's a, he is a running back. I know it's – I mean, it's just as simple as simple as I can And if we're being honest, we saved him a year of wear and tear on his body by him not being able to play, literally. So well, more, more than that, a year and a half. Exactly, a year and a half, right? Uh, so uh, here's here's my here's my projection of the game. I think we lose. I think it'll be closer than I want it to be. I, I want a forty-two to ten games over at halftime. Uh, I think we win twenty-seven thirteen. We or lose, 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 lose. Um, I'm going to say thirty-nine. 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 Awesome. No touchdowns. Um, it's 30 to nine. Yeah. That's where I'm going. Cause yeah, touchdowns us, are so rare for us. Touchdown. I got us with yeah. one touchdown. No, I Two. think, I think we're going to be drinking a lot of our own Kool-Aid this week, especially after beating Detroit a couple of weeks ago and then beating Carolina. We're going to be like, yeah, we are the shit. And then we get our ass handed to us. And that's a good thing. Oh, it's a great thing. I won't, um, for, for those who are still listening at home, I will not be watching. Uh, I will be on a plane back from Philadelphia. Uh, but I will be sure to be following and praying not only for a safe landing, but also a shellacking. Do us all a favor and go pee on the link while you're there. Okay. I can do that. All right. I can do that. I can also go tell Bryce Harper, kiss the rings, bitch. Yeah. And tell him to hope, tell him he hopes that he'll, he'll bring a nationals, another world series title plays at it too. That's true. So, and also tell them to fuck off and don't touch Rendon or Strasburg for that matter. Well, Strasburg's coming home. I'm, I would put a lot of money on Strasburg resigning. Uh, I think Rendon's going to wind up in, wind up in uh, Texas. Uh, New Ballpark. He's from – yeah, he's from Houston. Yeah, he went to Rice, um, right? It's, yeah, he did. He's like – literally is Houston. He's born in Houston. Rice is in Houston. Yep. Um, I think he goes home to Texas. They have a new stadium. He's already won the World Series. I don't think he gives a fuck. I think he's just like, you know what, pay me. He's already on record saying he doesn't want to play baseball for that much longer. Um, he's a weird passion. guy. He yeah, is. He's, he's kind of an oddball. Yeah, he's a weird dude. Um, and, like, he just wants to make a ton of money in the next, like, five years and then leave. Yeah. Uh, I don't want him to leave, but because our beloved owner says, quote, I can't afford both for him, which is the biggest lie ever. We never uh, fully unpacked the Nationals World Series win, but in my very, very elementary knowledge of the Nationals or just paying attention to them outside of like, literally I really got on the bandwagon during the wild card game and watched, as we talked about before, every single playoff game from there or almost every single playoff game from there. Rendon's postseason was one of the most clutch single DC oh, He's so good. That I mean, you could say even more. Like you got to put him up there with what Holtby did during the Caps run. I'm from a consistency standpoint throughout the playoffs. I mean, people like Soto because he's a little more flashy and a couple of more notable hits. But 
Rendon's late game dominance after the fifth inning is staggering. I mean, if you really, it's it's well documented for anyone who's paying attention. But like home run, double, home run, double, home run, double. It's after, bonkers, not, and then not not the fifth inning after the seventh inning. It's even more important. Exactly right, and then of course he was the guy who kind of, you know, reversed the momentum in Game Seven against the, the Astros in the World Series. Um, it's as clutch as any DC athlete's postseason performance, arguably ever. Right in terms yeah. of like just single no, a dominant, you can't understate it. I don't think can't overstate. No, I, it. I mean, I, 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 we just said he's weird. I, I love Anthony Rendon. I, you know, I, yeah, as you know, watch 120 of these games a year. The dude is just like he's filthy. I mean, there's no other. He is so quiet. He's in baseball terminology. Sometimes when he swings, you're like, how the hell did he hit that ball just 100 miles an hour in the in the gap? Um, and he never, he's never quite gotten the due he deserves because Arnado's out there. And, um, you know, he was a little bit in Harper's shadow for a little while. I mean, he's one of the, Definitely he's one of the, top, shadow. He's one of the top five best hitters in baseball. And I say that because he does it no matter where he is. Like the Nats have a very, very, very generic baseball park. It's not hitter friendly. It's a place probably a little bit pitcher friendly, if anything, but it's like, as simple a stadium as it gets when it comes to dimensions and, and hitter versus pitcher, et cetera. And like this dude's hitting 315 no matter what. Take it to the bank, cash it. He's going to hit 20 plus home runs. His war is going to be like five plus. Um, and my favorite part about him, and I think a lot of this comes from just like, I grew to hate Harper, even though I didn't want him to leave, full disclosure. Um, I still wanted him to resign. Uh, he never said a word ever. Yeah. He showed up, did his business, he went home. And, like, <laughs> if you ever – they had Trey Turner mic'd up for, like, game two or three of the World Series, and he was literally just following uh, Rendon around, just being like, hey, say something, say anything. And, like, he's, like, cracking jokes, like, I swear Rendon knows how to speak, you know. And it's just who he is. And, you know, the yeah. Mark Lerner thing about not being able to afford it. Like, what's the point of getting under the tax threshold if you're not going to spend the money? Uh, it's the whole, like, oh, we can't – we can't spend the money on Zimmerman pitcher Jordan Zimmerman because we need right. to resign. So, so, we need to resign like Harper. Yeah, or get get Scherzer. We can't resign so and so because we got Harper coming. We can't sign Harper because we have Rendon coming up. Well, guess what? Now we have Turner coming up. We have Soto. We have Robles. Like you gotta spend money. Um, but I regret. I yeah, I digress. And I feel I like do a whole. I mean, hindsight is fifty fifty. To quote the great Steve Spurrier, but like. <sighs> did we really need to give all of that money to Patrick Corbin? I know he got us to where we got to eventually, but it's like, you know, I don't know. It, Cause the justification is you can't give all the money to Strasburg. Cause it's not really up all this money going to Scherzer and, and Corbin. It's like, they're, and they're great, but I don't know. Strasburg's not going anywhere. I will, I will bet you whatever you want. He's not going to bet against you. No, no, he's coming back. He, he met with the Yankees yesterday, please. That was just a courtesy. I think that's a Scott Boris move through and through. He bought a house in DC. He moved his entire family to DC from San Diego. He's already signed a long-term extension with deferred money with the Nats. He's on record saying he loves Rizzo because Rizzo protected him. And not only did Rizzo protect him in 2012, he took the bullets for him. So like he knows that this organ and like, that's the advantage of the, that's the difference between the Nats 
the Redskins. That is a culture. Their culture is fantastic. It's the um, thing. Yeah. And, uh, and moving from San I Diego, like, I would say something like, man, I love DC. DC is always going to be my home. I'm DC through and through, but San Diego is the only city in the, on the country that would seriously make me want to get up and be like, oh, I don't know. I might relocate from this area because San Diego is fucking beautiful. Hey, come, out, moved, come out to Seattle. It rained all day. It's yeah. too damn cold. Man. I can't handle all that shit. Um, but for the 10 a.m. football, I would move to San Diego. Plus, everyone is beautiful in San Diego. Not that that matters anymore for me, but. Um, it's fair. Um, you don't want to see people bundled up in like North Face jackets for like 73% of the year? I already know enough techie Indian people in DC. I don't need to relocate <laughs> from one city to another to go see more of those. So. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Amazon's campus is wild. Yeah. Um, I'm sure uh, it is. All right. We'll know in two Probably years. Go. Yeah, exactly. Do your thing, man. Thank you for listening. For those who have made it so far to the podcast, as always, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud, subscribe to us on iTunes, and follow us on YouTube or subscribe to us or whatever the verb is that the kids are using on YouTube because this stuff will definitely be posted there. Till then, Patrick, thank you again. Go grab Subscribe? subscribe? Is that what it is? No, is that what it is? I work yeah. in social media. I should know that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty terrible. So, <laughs> Nonetheless, we will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.